welcome to DevCast, brought to you by Devril Smith, the right people. DevCast is where property meets people, industry figures, news and views, what it takes to be your best. So sit back, earphones on, and enjoy this edition of DevCast. Hello and welcome to DevCast, Devil Smith's audio series which holds exclusive and thought-provoking interviews with professionals of the property industry. Welcome to all our listeners. Uh, you might notice someone a bit different as your host today. I'm Laura Crogan, the Marketing and Communications Manager for Devil Smith. And today I'm very excited to be joined by Andrew Devil Smith, who is usually our host, uh, company CEO and founder, and Devil Smith's MD, James Campion. How are you both today, James? Very good, very good, thank you, yeah. End of Jan, life's not too bad. Yeah, I'm very nervous sitting here um, looking at you. Usually you're the power behind the throne sort of directing these affairs and today I'm, I've got nowhere to hide so hopefully you've got some gentle questions lined up. Definitely, definitely, we'll ease into it for you, Andrew. Um, okay, so the way that today's podcast is going to work, we'll be looking a little bit at the past, a little bit more at the present, but really highlighting our advice to key support, to support key business decisions and really looking at the future of the property hiring market. Um, so we'll be running through six topics, candidate market, hiring process, interviewing, salaries, training, leadership and employer branding. Um, I'll introduce each topic with a statement, which I'll be asking both James and Andrew if they think it is true or false. So we're going to try and have a little bit of fun today. All right, we're going to jump straight into it. You guys ready? Yep. And yep. As you'll ever be, I'm sure. Um, okay, so first statement is on the uh, candidate shortages or labour. So 65% of recruiters have stated that labour and candidate shortages are their biggest concern for 2021. True or false? Well, I'd imagine it's significantly more than that would be my view um i also don't think it's a concern i think it's an opportunity so i think that's uh, I, I can guess why people would be nervous about it but it depends how you're planning on tackling it you know we've spent the last decade complaining that we haven't been able to get many jobs and that many clients on we've now got the opposite of that and i'd always pick a candidate short market over a job short market so i think it's a fantastic opportunity yeah um i sort of Look, we obviously know the stats are out there. They're, they're everywhere. But I'll be slightly comfort, um, controversial yeah. is the word I'm looking for. Um, and say no, because my experience being active in the market right now is that actually candidates w- w- want to talk to you. So the volumes might not be there. I, everybody knows there aren't enough builders to go and build all the schemes that um, everybody would like to build. And that's probably a big result of Brexit. But... My experience in the markets today is that candidates will engage, you know, and we've just been through a pretty big crisis. And in those types of scenarios, lots of candidates in jobs don't want to engage. So I think if you're if 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 you're a hiring company or a capable recruiter, then like James saying, these, these are quite exciting conditions to find yourself within. Definitely. So we're saying that the talent is there. It's just how to find them. Um, Okay, so that was actually true. So 65% of recruiters have stated that labour and candidate shortages are their biggest concern for 2021. Um, James, do you want to just talk a bit more about how you pipeline talent of the future for internally at Devil Smith? 
and any advice you can give for any clients or employers out there looking to hire this year? Sure, well, if you put the context of the market that it's a candidate short environment, then you've got to try and think about how you want to make your business stand out, first of all. Just by definition of candidate short, it means there's going to be lots and lots of opportunities for any candidates. Most good candidates in a normal market will have multiple opportunities. And so you make it a candidate short market and they're going to have more opportunities and they'll be harder to find. So uh, I, I've, I've always put things into two categories. One is that you've got to be fairly authentic around what you say you are and then the reality. I think people are getting very, very cynical now. The, you know, politicians all over the world are making people doubt everything we see in here. Fake news is a, is a term that's become more and more popular. So what people read on a website or see on a job spec, if that doesn't stack up with their first impressions of a company, they tend to immediately have doubts. And so you've got to be authentic, even if it's saying, we're not great, but we're gonna get better, which is, which is I think, a, a far more honest way of approaching it rather than we've got phenomenally big ambitions. Um, so that's part one is just be, be honest about who you are and what you're trying to do because candidates can see through the bullshit. Um, and the second part is knowing what you're looking for. Um, lots of people think they want really, really high quality, top, you know, phenomenally capable people. And Deverell Smith has been like that for the last few years. You know, we, we've had to really refine what it is we're looking for. If you look two years ago, we only hired experienced consultants because the market meant we needed people who'd hit the ground running. Last year, we hired a mix of experienced and inexperienced. But all of that was strategically decided. We knew before we went into the year that we wanted to do that. And so we we're able to think about how we're going to reach out to them, how we're going to engage with them. I think the idea of putting a, a job advert up and hoping to get a response are gone. You've got to have multiple channels to market. And you've got to think about the experience the candidate goes through when they interview with you. You've got to ultimately, you know, we're selling to them as much as they're selling to us. So I think it's about um, viewing it from a slightly different paradigm to previously. Awesome. Thanks for that, James. Um, so we're going to jump on to the next one, which is about hiring process. So according to the Recruitment Employment Confederation, 25% of people in the UK think that companies do a poor job recruiting efficiently. True or false, Andrew? Sorry, 25% do a poor job? Yeah, true or false? Uh, false, I think it's higher. Significantly. <laughs> 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 I'm not sure I am I'm, I'm biased, having spent 20 years, well, my entire career really looking at... I'm trying to do this well, but I, I, I think, um, sadly, it, it tends not to sit at a company's priority list. Um, and companies, and I would say this about ourselves over the 15 years, James has just talked about how, you know, we've really looked at um, looking to bring people into our own business and really apply, you know, the advice we deliver to clients. But um, uh, I, I think most companies probably put that behind servicing their own clients and you know promoting themselves their, and their services into a market. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I would. I, I don't think it's um, ever deliberate neglect that means that companies are bad at hiring. But Andrew said it's prioritisation. Most businesses simply don't prioritise the attraction and equally the retention of people into their business anywhere near as highly as they should. And in pretty much every organisation you'll come across the most important asset is its people, and it's rare, It's rarely at the top of the to-do list. Well, I can confirm that you're both correct. It's 52%. Yeah. Just, just to um, further on from that topic, Andrew, have you got any advice for, or any advice that you give your clients on how to manage the hiring process, which might give the candidate a, a more seamless approach? I mean, I think it really, really depends on the, you know, the, 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 on the mission 
as it were, what is it you're looking to achieve, who is it you're looking to attract, and that really defines the, the process or really the, the strategy to being effective and efficient. So I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all process that I can map out for you right now, but, but what I would say, again, um, as we obsess over this stuff, is recruitment processes tend to be really, really inefficient. You know, the time they take, in my experience, is far too long um, and by investing time up front, sort of planning that process, you can really map out all the stages that need to take place. And I, I almost guarantee you that if you, if, if you complete that piece of work, you'll find a recruitment process takes a lot less time mm -hmm. and there should be big upside in the organisation for that. Um, and I think with when you get new people in, every employer wants to get them, the new starters, self-sufficient self and productive as quickly and efficiently as possible. JC, have you got any advice on on that? How to get people productive? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, A, it's really hard. It's, it's a really, really hard thing to do. And again, I don't think there's one solution to that. But it comes back to hiring. First of all, you've got to make sure that you've had a really thorough hiring process so you know exactly what you're getting and they know exactly what they're walking into. I mean, the amount of times um, over my 20-odd years in this industry, I've seen people walk out week one, day one, morning one, because what they were sold doesn't represent the reality. And so you've got to be really, really clear from both sides as to what you're getting. Um, and then it's just, you know, any, any management book you read, and I've, I've read a few, and I, I don't normally love them very much, but the two things that always stood out to me, good management is all about providing the people that work for you clarity and then being consistent in your message. So you've got to make sure people understand what's expected of them, what good looks like, what support they're going to get to help deliver that, and then consistently deliver it. Because... You know, if, if there's a war on talent at the moment, there's a bigger war on retention. And that's the bit that's the bit that's being missed at the moment. Lot, there's lots and lots of sound bites about the great resignation. That basically says that lots of businesses aren't retaining their staff particularly well. So that's why there's a talent shortage, because people aren't looking after staff. Yeah, I think that's one for another podcast as well. <laughs> um, okay, moving on to the interview process. So it follows on nicely from the hiring process. So according to REC again, 97% of recruiters reported that vacancies are taking longer to fill than normal. True and false. I know, Andrew, you touched on this a bit earlier. Yeah, I probably should have looked at our own stats before you asked me that question. Um, true or false? I will say true. Got to be, just because the attraction piece of it. I don't think the processes are taking longer, but finding it in the first place, I'm sure will be. Yeah, but I know when I spoke to some of the consultants on the floor, it's not that the like interview process is necessarily taking much more longer. It's just more once CVs get to get to the client, they um, seem to be more the same efficiency. However, it's actually sourcing the talent. I think, uh, controversially, I think that's where one of the, the significant issues is, is occurring within hiring at the moment because the process should take a similar amount of time because you should be shortening the interview process to compensate for a longer search process. You know, the the uh, average number of opportunities that any candidate has on the go, good, skilled candidates, and that doesn't mean strong academics or strong interpersonally, just relevant for the role you're recruiting, is typically four to five opportunities at any one go. And so assuming that you join that halfway through them searching for work, you've got two processes that are automatically ahead of you. So you've got to be prepared to speed up your internal moves to make sure that you're leaving people with enough information to make a decision. Um, and Andrew, are there any candidates out there demanding anything different from, say, pre-COVID or pre-Brexit? Are there more demands coming in? 
Well, this is an interesting one, isn't it? I, I think it's still quite early days. You know, we, I'm not even sure where we are with Boris rules at the moment, but a, a couple of days ago, I think uh, there was a big relaxation of them. If they're not now, they're next week. Um, I'll, I'll forecast, though, and say that, yeah, I think there will be big differences. I was, I was chatting to a dad at the rugby last uh, yesterday, um, watching my boy play rugby. I cannot see the majority of employees in a business going back to the old ways entirely you know that's not to say I, I can't see a shift more in that direction of the back of, of, of the sort of lockdown mentality but I can't see it clicking all the way back for the entire working population of the UK so I think flex flexible mindsets will be much more of a thing and I think candidates will be um, uh, uh, exploring that much more meaningfully than they ever did before Covid. Um, and I know you said, James, that we've changed quite a bit of our hiring and interview process. Can you give some kind of tips and advice of what you've implemented to make sure that the hiring or interview process is just done um, a lot more efficiently? Yeah, sure. Um, well, first of all, we try and get everything done in two weeks, from first meeting to, to last meeting. And that isn't achievable every single time, but we do try and drive some momentum into it without ever trying to make people feel like it's rushed, which is, which is a, a balancing act because every single person approaches their job search differently. People, Some people want to spend a long time mulling things over, but good candidates, in my experience, and good by, by good again, I mean kind of relevant for what we're looking for, are uh, tend to be comfortable to move at a, a relatively quick pace. So that's part one, is to, to be efficient with the timescales. The second thing is back to what we're saying around um, kind of transparency and making sure the they get a good chance to take a look as, as, at as much of you as is possible. So we actually get people to meet, uh, I think, three different levels of our business. So I have a conversation with a director, second conversation with myself, they'll then meet some of the team, they'll then have a chance to come into the office. So we really do want people to have as clear a picture again, as I was saying earlier, as to who we are. And I think without that, you just it, it just increases the risk unnecessarily. So I would strongly suggest, A, getting your message to market right, but B, making sure people get a real chance to kick the tires and have a look around. Yeah, Lord, can I just jump in on that as well? Because I think a, a, a message or a thought for our clients would be around, you know, pace doesn't mean you need to sort of shorten a process that, uh, in terms of missing elements out. Really, really important, particularly when candidates have multiple options. I think you need to be really thorough, as James is suggesting we we are. She's good to hear. Um, <laughs> but, but, but also, you know, you, you, you can just move quicker. You can, you can squeeze eight, ten touch points of a process into a two week time frame if you want to um, but I wouldn't advise you know whipping you know turning those eight to ten touch points to four to five because candidates can feel rushed and we're seeing you know when that happens almost always the candidate gets cold feet. Um, and following on from candidates demands we're going to jump into salaries because I know that um, a lot of more candidates are feeling confident um, as it is a candidate short market to ask for um, higher salaries. So, statement is, according to ONS, growth in average total pay, which includes bonuses, was 4.9% between August to October 2021. True or false? I would be amazed again if it was that little. Um, I think, you know, if we look at some of the salaries, it's basic economics, isn't it? Supply and demand. That the, the, the less there is of something, the more it costs. And there's fewer good people around and so they're able to command bigger salaries. I think there is an element of like a cautionary note that comes with that because some of the requests are 
not necessarily in line with skills and wider market value. And I'm not just saying this because I work at a recruitment firm, but I do think there's always value in sense checking what the market rate is, whether you're using a firm or not, ring up a, a business who specializes in your area, they'll happily tell you what somebody should cost, even if you're not engaging with them. So there's some candidates out there with very, very big demands at the moment, Some, in some cases justifiably so, but equally in others where they're just trying it on. And I think you, there's just an element of caution that needs to be taken with it. Yeah, I mean, again, we, we're answering this question a lot with clients currently, and I, kn I know in terms of the markets we service, I know that number's light. You know, I'll give you one example of um, in, in development at a certain level, I saw salaries jump by 25% at the beginning of last year. I mean, the point I'd want to make is that wage inflation of that level is not something that we, you know, enjoy. It doesn't make our job easier. And um, I don't think it's a healthy thing for either a candidate or a client. I've seen this twice in my career where it goes too far too fast and um, then it only has one, one way to go. Um, but most definitely so, uh, wage inflation, as I call it, is here. And I would say that it's not just a it's not a post COVID thing. You know, think about this. You know, we we were in a pretty subdued market all the way through Brexit and those 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 trials and tribulations. That was five years, I think. Am I right in saying? Yep. And then you whack a, a an eighteen month to two year pandemic on top. You know, so so wages have been subdued for seven years. So it can't be any surprise that you know in a really competitive market, salaries are leaping like they are. Um, and what should clients or employees do if they need some extra support in understanding salaries? Well, like James said, I mean, ask ask around, ask the question. You know, we have a team here that specialises in crunching these numbers, you know, to get real-time, real-life data and to play that back to our clients. I think that's the first thing you should do before you go to market. I mean, you don't want to go to market with the wrong offer. You know, that's a quick way to, um, you know, um, disengage people and and ultimately probably affects affects your brand proposition. So I'd say, you know, we have this saying um, at Devil Smith, you measure twice and you cut once. And I think it's quite a good one just to, you know, prepare and think and then be really, really, you know, really, really effective when you're actually going to market. Um, okay, moving more into the retention space, we're going to talk about training. So the statement is, according to the uh, government 2019 Employer Skills Survey, the average number of days an employee receives is in training is 6.4. True or false? Oh, I honestly don't know. I'm the guess on that one. Uh, I, I reckon it would be less than that would be my gut feel simply because the majority, well, I, I, I've got a relatively insular view because the majority of my time is spent looking internally within the recruitment industry and I would be very surprised if every single person who worked in recruitment got six days worth, four days worth of training over the course of the calendar year. Um, in the wider market, I think it, it, it it's hard to make a, a sweeping judgment because I think it will change market and market sector to sector, but I'm going to say false is my gut feel on that one. Was six point six and a half days a year training? Yeah, six I and a half. I think it all depends on whether you define chat with the, your boss in the pub as training because if <laughs> that's the case, I'd say it's low. <laughs> but no, I'm going to say I think that is true. Yeah, that one is true, and I think it also includes your customer service roles and things like that. Um, I'm pretty sure internally at Devil Smith we offer about 16 to 20 full days, so significantly more. Um, but yeah, James, do you want to talk a bit more about our internal training program and see if there's any advice you can give to employers out there looking to revolutionise theirs? Yeah, well, it, it's back to um, retention, isn't it? You know, pe people very rarely leave a job because of salary. 
you know, we had an interesting. We had a guy into talk to our team last week called uh, Mitch Sullivan, and one of the who's a, a copywriting expert coming to talk to our guys around how to access better talent in the market from advert writing and, and the like. And one of the things that he said, which has really stuck with me, is that the majority of people leave for skills development as opposed to salary. And when you put training in that context, and the, you know, the single biggest impact on the bottom line of any business is typically retention of staff. You know, it's it's madness not to invest significantly into it. I've, I've always been of a big, big belief that you know, the more you invest in your staff when it comes to learning and development coaching, the more you get back. And I also think, particularly when uh, in the current environment, you want people to feel like that they are moving forward in their career. You want people to feel like they are um, adding new skills, irrespective of performance. You know, that will keep people engaged, positive, and happy far longer than uh, than anybody else. I. I mean, I know this is James's specialist subject, so I don't want to. I don't want to say too much because he'll just shoot me down. What I will say is, um, you know, I think some of the best uh, events we've held have been training related. You know, whether that's annual offsites, whether that's bringing in, you know, the the, the sports coaches or the, um, you know, um, the sports psychologists. I can think of authors. So it doesn't have to be, you know, the boring stuff around how you do your job that little bit better. I think the bigger picture stuff has been some of the most engaging and interesting. And I think they're great team building and, uh, opportunities. And uh, and we also, over the years, have invited our clients to this stuff as well and, and really sort of enjoyed um, spending time with them on, on doing that kind of stuff. So I look at them as opportunities rather than just a sort of a need thing, you know, a necessary thing to deliver. I think that's actually a really interesting point. And one of the things that we're looking at this year, which I think is uh, in line with the change of the dynamics of the workforce, is if you just look at skills development, there, there's, a, there's an obvious commercial benefit to that because people do their job better, they become more efficient, they deliver better performance, etc. But I actually think that's only half of what development should be. So one of the things that we're looking at this year is kind of personal development. So that could be how somebody, um, I don't know, I'll use a couple of examples that have been thrown around that people doing public speaking courses or people doing stuff like that where they have little need to do public speaking in their current roles but it's something they really want to do from a personal form of development and I, I'm a massive massive believer that you know when you look back at your career you're rarely going to remember how somebody told you to I don't know, manage an account better or be better at business development but if somebody teaches you how to have more confidence on how to deliver a, a speech that'll stay with you for quite a while and I think there's a real um, there's a real uh, want to need for that from the majority of people coming into the workforce now as well well I, i've just thrown a little anecdote here a couple of years ago just before covid i was having a really tough day at a conference in miami and uh <laughs> and um Sounds awful. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was i was taking one for the team and um no but there was there were all these sessions as you know at a conference and you can go into room a b or c and listen to different speakers um, and in whatever room it was there was the, one of the top five world experts on lying giving uh giving giving a seminar and i thought that sounds interesting so i went in and sure enough the room was absolutely packed right i don't know about you know the other two but the room's absolutely packed and it was just really really interesting listening to somebody around you know um you know human beings and and the nature of lying so uh, random but interesting yeah um okay Moving on, we're going to talk about, well, still about training, but more about the management style of training. Because I think, well, for me, when I think about training, you think about kind of early on in your career or new, or new, being a new starter. So um, a study conducted by us, Deborah Smith, 
um, highlights that 43% of managers rated their training as poor or non-existent, with none rating it, rating it outstanding. True or false? Uh, I, again, I would think it would be significantly higher than that. I mean, I, as Andrew said, this is kind of the thing that I tend to obsess about more than pretty much anything else. Um, I think you need to, as a, I love context as a, as a concept before I consider anything like this. And if you put the context of this into it, uh, so do I think that, that the, the training could be delivered better? Yeah, 100%. If you look at most people uh, who, um, as you said, receive training at the beginning part of their career, and not the experienced or successful people, that's actually madness, that you're, you're assuming that you're only gonna invest in the people who don't know how to do the job and make them take them from a zero to a five out of 10, whereas you're not gonna invest in the people who are a seven or eight out of 10 and make them a nine or you know, an eight or nine or a 10. I've always, since I've worked at Devil Smith, I've started using a, a property analogy, where it's like only building new build homes and leaving the high value luxury kind of central, um, uh, prime central properties to slowly drift into dilapidation. Whereas if you look at any property business, they would they would consistently want to keep their high performing assets uh, at peak performance and try and improve on them and maximize value from it. And that's, I, I just think that people need to fundamentally uh, rethink how they, how they view training in an organization. It's not just an entry level requirement. It should be for everybody at every level. I, love what it, I like what JC did there. That's the first time I've heard that one. So um, what, what I would say is that I think it's on, uh, as you get more senior as well within an organisation, I think it's on you as much as yeah, the organisation to kind of request or you know, suggest what, what it is you, you, know, you feel you can improve upon. So I think it's a two-way street, but and, 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 and it shouldn't be perceived as any form of weakness by saying, look, you know, I'd really like to develop here, there, or... Whatever it may be. Agreed. Um, okay, moving nicely into leadership. So based on a survey of a thousand people conducted by Total Jobs, 30% of UK workers leave their job because of their line manager. True or false? 30%. I would say that's probably about right. Yeah, I had it in my mind as like mid-20s, so I guess that's about right. What do you say, Lady S? Well, I'll go back to 1996 at Cafe Rouge when I st steamed out mid-shift in a huff because my manager was really mean to me. So I'm going to say yes. <laughs> True. <laughs> this it's uh, <laughs> I couldn't imagine you at Cafe Rouge, but one pound ninety-six plus service charge, right? So pay your service charge, people, because agreed. Uh, I agreed with that. I spent some time <laughs> as a waitress. Yeah, so always tip. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that one's actually false. It's actually 50%, which is massive is for half of people would leave wow. because of a line manager. Um, and then another stat is fewer than one in five workers, 18%, feel they can trust their boss, wow. which is quite interesting. Less so, than one in five? So uh, fewer than one in five workers. So 18% feel they can trust their boss. <laughs> Any comments on those ones, guys? God, it's just depressing, isn't it? I think that's the first thing that, that comes to mind. You know, the old phrase, you don't leave a business, you leave a boss. I think that's, that, that's, a, that's a phrase that's been around for a long time for a reason. Um, I've got first-hand experience of that. I think, you know, you, you want to feel like you, you're valued and your work that you do is valued. And if people aren't in any way, shape or form, then you're going to vote with your feet. And at the moment, you've, you've got an opportunity to vote with your feet and more than likely take a significant increase in how much you're getting paid. Um, the fact that people don't trust their boss, God, I mean, I, it is just depressing. That you know, what what a eighty what eighty two percent of people are going to work every day and feel like they can't trust their boss. I'd be really interested to see 
kind of the detail behind that, why that, like, why that was. But yeah, I think that's just quite sad, really. Life's too short. Definitely. Um, I know that we launched a mentor scheme at Devil Smith, so I think that's probably something you know people could use to try and instill a bit more trust in the company. Um, but is there any tips that you guys can give for future leaders to try and avoid being one of the finding themselves in yeah, this situation? Uh, well, I was going to say there on that point around um, you know leaving leaving bosses being so high. I'm not sure it's a boss as much as the, you said the question is the manager, right? Mm. I think it's quite an interesting debate, really, because, of course, you know, you become a manager by um, by firstly being not a manager. Yeah. And you know, I've seen this more times than I care to mention, you know, really, really, really good operator gets put into management role and, you know, fails They may, or, or, or fails at first, which is quite normal. But, you know, back to our conversation around training, you know, how much do organisations invest around how to you know how to build and, and retain trust I don't see that happening very often if at all you know it's just assumed that you should be able to do it well you'd like to think so in life but life isn't necessarily managing people for eight hours a day so I'd, my answer would be training training guidance support um, okay and then our final point is which we've Andrew you spoke about a little bit is um, employer branding or an EVP which is employer value proposition um, so final statement is 26% of employees in the UK and Ireland are looking to change roles in the next 6 to 12 months. Is that true or false? So that again, sorry? So 26% of employees in the UK and Ireland are looking to change roles in the next 6 to 12 months. Is that true or false? I would say it's probably significantly higher than that. If you look at all the... The, the media loves a soundbite now, doesn't it? It really, really does. Everything is distilled into one easy-to-digest sentence. And we're currently in the middle of the Great Resignation. So you know, if, if the media will have you believe what the reality is... And, and we haven't seen that, certainly not internally, uh, at least. Uh, but uh, I, I would imagine that number's a bit higher, I would guess. It probably is, but it won't happen. Yeah, you know, I'd agree, I agree <laughs> with that. You know, the country will not have... 25 to 50 percent attrition in in the next six to 12 months mm. but mindset of people wanting to move on you know i mean how and, and a disengaged workforce that's costing organizations trillions you know so um yeah and i think that's a good point um the f it was more you were both correct it's uh false and it sits at 38 percent um let's have a little talk about maybe then usp or ways that you can make sure that these employees who have that negative mindset or disengaged mindset, how can you bring them back in? Is there benefits or flexibility, which is a bit of a buzzword at the moment? Let's hear your advice. I think it often depends on, on why that you're in that situation in the first place, doesn't it? I, you know, we're the, uh, the pandemic has thrown up, uh, I can't remember the quote, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna mess this up now, but it's something like um, uh, stress doesn't create uh, personality it exposes it or doesn't create character it exposes it and I think or challenge that's it challenge doesn't uh, uh, create character it exposes it and I think there's been a lot of challenge both internally uh, in, a, in and outside of work in the last two years and I'd imagine people have seen a lot of things that they might not like that's why the great resignation is has been talked about that and people have realized that life's a bit too short we just effectively lost two years of our, our lives and not had the freedoms we'd normally have. So lots of people are going, do you know what? I do fancy living by the sea. I do fancy working in Spain. I, I've, I've proven that I can work remotely. So I think there's um, there's lots of context as, on every of these things. But 
Um, try to create an, an, an environment of trust. I don't think there is a soundbite from my side that answers that. You, you've, it's back to being authentic. It's back to, back to giving employees a voice and feeling like they can be heard and they've got some say. It's back to giving clarity on direction. It's back to training. You know, there's there's so many things that come into creating trust. Um, but I, I just think that the um, the world's moved at the moment and I'm not sure every business has moved with it. And I think that there's quite a few that are going to be, you know, the tide's going to go out and they're going to be exposed fairly soon. Yeah, I mean, I'd say there's lots and lots and lots that you can do. And, and now is not necessarily the time just to rattle off a list of them. But I'd also say lots of them are free. You know, so for small businesses and for companies that don't necessarily have massive budgets, for companies that are suffering still through this pandemic, you know, you don't necessarily just have to write a big check to make these 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 sorts of situations improve. Um, but I, I I think you know I go to a lot of conferences and networking stuff, and I I'm bored of hearing people sitting on a stage saying, well, you know, property industry, you know, it's got its challenges, and we're you know we're not we're not that attractive. I think that's you know. It's fairly accurate in some respects, but I think it's absolute nonsense in others. You know, it's a brilliant industry in which to work, and there are some super, super cool companies out there. So just go look at them would be my advice. You know, what are they doing, and what idea can you copy slash nick, and 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 you know reinterpret in your own way. Um, but this, the, you know, this matters. Make no mistake, this matters. And I think if you get your house in order to, in terms of J James being right around authenticity, who are you and why would somebody want to come here and stay? It's probably the most, in quest uh, most important question of all you need to ask yourself before you go and hire anybody. Agreed. Um, all right, well, we've come to the end of our topics and we're going to uh, spin into our quick fire question, which I'm actually excited to be on this side to ask you guys. So I'll ask the quick fire and you can both say it. Ready? So live music event or a sports event? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've both looked at each other and smiled knowingly there. Go on, you go first. I mean, that is tough, right? It depends on what the, be the, be best of the best of both. Ooh, I can't pick. I know that's really <laughs> difficult. I would say both. I'd go to the I'd go to the sporting event, which is generally in the day, yeah. <laughs> and then I'd crack on to a um, you know brilliant uh, after event. Honestly, they're my two biggest passions in life, so I can't. Yeah, I mean, for me, for me, there's context. Much as I loved watching my four-year-old learn to play rugby yesterday, and that was technically a live sporting event. You know, I'd take going to watch the Stones at Wembley over that every day of the week. <laughs> uh, but equally, um, if it was going to see my uh, my youngest kids. Carol concert, which sounds like I'm slagging my kids off at of YouTube, doesn't it? <laughs> with the Carol concert versus going to watch the European Rugby Finals, I'd probably, I'd probably duck out the, the former for the latter. So I, I'm with Andrew both. It's, I, if I could spend all my money on that, I would. Andrew, I'm sure if someone said both in your podcast, would yeah, be. I'd be giving them stick. You're quite right. You're quite. I honestly, it's. I, it is it, a hard one. It is a hard one. Yeah, uh, we're on to question. the next one, which I think should be slightly easier for you. So, uh, night owl or early riser. Night Owl. Early Riser. There we go. I That's have a theory on this as yeah. well. I don't know if you want to hear it. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I know the quick fire questions. I reckon this, I've got three children, and I reckon you're one or the other defined on what time of the day you are born. That is a really interesting theory. Okay. I reckon it's also age of children. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm an early riser, <laughs> but not because I want to be. <laughs> yeah, so kind of under threes, you, by default you're an early riser. Yeah, yeah. If anybody's got any tips, then please do get in touch. Two of mine are early risers, and they were born 
early morning, 5, 6 a.m. And the one who won't get out of bed was born at, um, you know, 2 in the morning. So I, that's my theory. I don't know if it's utter nonsense. We'll have to put that out if anyone else can <laughs> confirm Andrew's theory. We'll <laughs> most appreciate it. Yeah, LinkedIn poll needs to come. Um, this is Andrew's favourite one, and I've always been excited to hear what his answer is. Bowie or the Beatles? I, I think I've already answered it. Okay. I wondered if you're going to answer It's most definitely Bowie, without question. Ooh, without question for me. I mean, the Beatles were... Legends. And are special, yeah. but, um, yeah, he, he, he definitely be my pick we did have uh, someone recently on the podcast who added in britney so james if you need <laughs> bowie bowie or the Br- bowie bowie the beatles or britney well i could definitely not britney out of the comparative <laughs> sc- I did, so one of the questions i tend to ask people is the dinner party question is who are the artists that have changed music and i put both bowie and the beatles mm. as artists who change the face of music so that's a really tough question uh i i like listening to beatles more than i do listen to bowie but i love bowie Right. And then the one that we always ask everyone, if you could own any property in the world, what would it be and why? Oh. And it can't be Cannon Green. It can't, it can't <laughs> be a wonderful office. I, I, can I cheat? I wouldn't have property. I'd have a, I'd have a boat. I'd, yeah. have a, I'd have a big boat moored up somewhere in the Med and I'd spend all of my life sailing around the world watching live sporting events. That would be mine. So then you answered the sporting and music question. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah with, well, before <laughs> going to a gig. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. I don't think we've had that before. Andrew? I thought you might ask this question mm. as well. It's really tough. Can I give you three? I think you're going to give me three, so yeah. One, uh, House on Richmond Green. Oh. Yeah. Which is very close to where I live, but I don't live on Richmond Green for anyone who's listening <laughs> to this. But uh, that's a dream. I just think it's sort of the perfect blend of London and not London and, you know, an amazing spot. Two would be, not necessarily in this order as well, listeners, but two would be um, a villa in Ibiza. As you know, I've been um, spending my time there for nearly 25 years. So I know that place probably better than I know London. Um, So it'd be a finca in the north of the island and uh, I'll be able to see the sunset. They're the three kind of uh, key criteria mm. on that front. And then the third, not that I'm greedy, <laughs> but um, would be in the mountains. You know, I'd have oh. a lovely lodge uh, high up a mountain. So again, I could see the sunset and I, I get to ski for three to four months of the year. To uh, service all of your different personalities, really. Well, that's it. You know, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd be, um, yeah, you know, just just content, just moving between those three. Pick picking one would be very difficult. Nice. And then we're just going to finish off uh, one piece of advice. So let's try and stick with one one piece that you'd leave with employers for twenty twenty two. Make people your number one priority. Simple as that. They, they need to be the the first point on every uh, management meeting, board meeting agenda. And the last point on every band management meeting, board meeting agenda, you need to just obsess about it. Otherwise, it's going to start costing businesses far more than they want. Yeah, that was going to be my point as well. I think it's easy when we, you, you, you wear the recruitment consultant uh, tag. It's very easy for people to suggest, well, you just want us to hire a lot of people. Well, that's partly true. You know, that's, that's the old fashioned way of how we kind of um, generate income. So we obviously need to pay our own bills. But I would say, look, just, you know, it's it's just as interesting to us to help and support you in keeping people and developing people than it is to supply people. 
Um, but if if you want me to, what would be my top tip around how do you hire better in 2022? And I would say, um, you know, plan before you go to market because it, it, you can you can very easily create a lot of noise and 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 and, and kind of uh, blow your position a little bit. And then be very, very focused when you're in the market because the longer you're in it, the more the market will be talking and, 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 and you're losing control day by day. So, yeah, planning and, and focus. Brilliant. Um, well, yeah, I think we've come to an end now. So thanks so much, guys, for sharing your expert insight. And we look forward to sharing the next one, which I think will be next quarter, um, just following the, the new financial year. So thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Laura, it's been an absolute treat. Thank you very much. <laughs> you can you can take over my podcast <laughs> never, right away never, and ask the never. questions forevermore. Um, thank you. You can join the DS movement by visiting ds.devrelsmith.com and you will receive the latest Deadcast episode direct to your inbox.